Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 185, I'm Not Forgetting. This week we're discussing season 3, episode 18 of Angel, Double or Nothing, and season 3, episode 5 of Battlestar Galactica, Collaborators. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, Angel, again, um, we're in a little mini stretch of uh, a couple Angel episodes in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is I fine. I think this is like the longest stretch of Yeah, Angel. I don't think we've ever done three in a row before. Um, and I, and I mean, well... Season five will be just Angel because that's after Buffy ends. Well, but right, like, yes. But so I far, I think with, yeah. I think within, like, while Buffy and Angel are still on together, there might be there might be other points where we have three episodes. But I think this is like the longest stretch. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we ever have more than three. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do have a s- couple stretches with Buffy where there's four in a row. Oh. Interesting. Um, coming yeah. up shortly, in fact. <laughs> we we have a little back and forth um, kind of at the end of the seasons here. And then, like, what actually ends up happening with Buffy. I, we had no plans to talk about it. I mean, it, like, this is going to be, like, two months from now, like, in, in our episode time. But, Real like, life, yeah. At the, the last two episodes of season six and then the first two episodes of season, season seven, just based on the timing of when they – when it ends and then when the next season begins, mm-hmm. uh, we'll have like four episodes back to back of Buffy there. So it'll be like the end of this one season and then right into the next season for us. Right. And because it's on, they're on different networks now, they're not synced in terms of their, their breaks right. and their schedules and everything. So right. they, they're, exactly. they have slight variations, you know, with starting and stopping time and everything. Yep. Um, well, and and because sense. we're doing, because there's like, Buffy is taking a break right now. Right. So like, Angel season ends, and then Buffy still has like, two episodes left to go. Right. Um, because we're kind of out of sync at this point. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, That's fine. so all that to say that we're kind of right. So we're in the mid. Like, it's not really an arc because, like, I I feel like it's more like a turning point that mm. we're looking at here and this is kind of like in the middle of that and Mm -hmm. then we'll see you know we'll have one more angel episode to see if we can kind of i don't i don't think we can really make an arc out of it but you have you know like this is all sort of like fallout from connor being taken and right all of that right so right right and maybe yeah maybe it isn't quite built up into i mean apart from Angel in the previous episode going straight into every plan of action that he can think of. Um, That kind of momentum got broken. Um, You know, and so it's not like if there's going to be, let me just speculate and say that there's an end of season sort of, you know, a quest of some kind to maybe try to get Connor back. We haven't really started that yet. Like the things that Angel tried to do in the previous episode, like didn't really work. Um, And, uh, you know, 
the only other thing he could think of was just sort of to, you know, revenge himself on the people responsible. Um, but I actually, we kind of wanted to start with like the state of the business, um, just kind of taking the temperature of the group and everything. And, um, yeah. and like, I hadn't necessarily thought of it this way, but Angel is definitely his, I mean, we kind of put his moodiness as the main point, but maybe his stillness would be more the point, like at least for the first half of this episode until Gunn yeah. is in trouble. That's the big difference from the previous episode. Like the last one, it was, all right, we're going to, you know, kidnap and torture the guy from Wolfram and Hart. We're going to do like a, you know, deep, dark ritual to open a portal. We're going to conjure Sajan. We're going to go up to the white room. We're going to go kill Wesley. Like it's all his desperate actions to try to fix or at least make some sense of what's happened whereas like for the first half of this episode he's just kind of sitting and thinking and staring and not talking and so he's totally gone the opposite he's like direction like one step removed from being almost catatonic right like i mean right because like he's he's there when like cordy comes back Right. And it's just like, I'm so sorry. Right. But he like, like barely acknowledges. He just is yeah. sitting there. Like he kind of glances at her, but then right. like, yeah. And then like, he's laying on the bed and she's like, oh, you know, I'll just sit here until you're ready kind of yeah. thing. And yeah. yeah, like there's, I think you're right. Like I hadn't really thought of it in that sort of contrast. So I wonder, I'm sure we could, I don't know how much like the writers thought of it this way, but I'm sure we could sort of like apply the stages of grief right yeah sure um, right right like are we in depression or yeah like like i like maybe that would be it like because i i don't even remember what they are like um uh offhand but like like we're past anger right 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 um right well there's like disbelief and you know bargaining and I don't know that at the end we're quite at acceptance yet, but we're closer to it than we were at the start of the episode. Um, yeah. Which again, I feel like well, if his if his action right. in the previous episode was manic and out of control, it's not so much like the gun stuff gives him gets him back into action, but to like a purpose. Like it's not just sure. angrily flailing around and hurting other people in the process because he can't control his you know his his need to have to do something it's like okay it gives him an excuse to do something but he but it's something positive and it has like a direction like okay we Mm -hmm. have i have a mission i have somebody who needs help that we can go save and his line about like we're not losing another member of this family. Like there. Sure. It's not. There, there is something not totally nihilistic there. Like the fact that he's still thinking of the ones that remain as his family and that they're worth protecting, you know, Mm -hmm. he hasn't completely shut them out, which is good. Um, and actually yeah. that that line that's jumping ahead of it but that line kind of 
I felt like it had an interesting double entendre of like, when he says we're losing another member of this family, it could kind of apply to both Connor and Wesley. Um, you know, whether or not Angel would admit that or not, it's like, you know, I mean, you know, or obvi both. obviously, like, I mean... right. Well, right. Yes. That's kind of what I mean. It's like, obviously it applies. Connor's his family. He wants Connor back. And even if he wouldn't admit that he wants um, Wesley back or thinks that Wesley totally betrayed him, there's still a sense of loss of Wesley, even sure. if he blames Wesley for that loss. Um, right. And, you know, that's in there too of Wesley did more than just betray them and take away the baby. He also took himself out of the team. And that's part of the loss that, that they're feeling. Yeah. And not just him, right? Like, because that's kind of what Fred says, too, is like, right. like, you should have trusted us. And right. uh, I know, I know, we're not like we had that till later. But like, I think it's a similar sort of thing where, you know, where she's saying to him, like, you know, we saw we we understand why you did it and we still think you're wrong mm -hmm. like it's not one of those things where it's like well if you could just understand why i did what i did then you could mm -hmm. forgive me and whatever like fred's like no actually even understanding you're still wrong because you should have had more faith in us and mm -hmm. you know you were supposed to be our friend and you went to holds behind our back and all of that like right you know, they did, like, she's saying, like, that was, that was a loss of the family. Right. It's not, it's not a loss because, like, Wesley is hurt and in the hospital or that, like, Angel's angry with him or whatever. It's that, mm -hmm. that Wesley didn't allow them to be a family and, mm -hmm. you know, have each other's backs kind of thing. Right. Right. Which, all right, so we might as well just stick with Wesley, um, at least for a moment, um, because it's the same kind of thing when um, the uh, doctor says, like, you can go right. home. Do you have anyone to pick you up? And it's like, well, not really. You know, that was, and, friends or family. No, that's yeah, the answer but, to that right, question. Yeah, he, he says family. Even. Right, right. right. Um, he doesn't, you know, because he he cut those ties, um, you know, deliberately yeah. and knowingly and for his reasons. And, you know, um, we can understand them and maybe even sympathize with them, but that's what he did. Um, so yeah. So he's also even more lost because he cut them all out. Um, so yeah. And then Fred tells him, Oh, by the way, it was pointless, too. So in case you weren't, you know, uh, feeling bad enough, now he even knows the full truth um, that, you know, it, it was all sort of a ruse to begin with. Mm. Sure. Um. All right. 
Let's go back just a little bit to um, Cordy and Gru finally coming back from their vacation, um, looking very, yeah. you know, rested and, you know, tanned and right. dyed and all that, you know, ready to kind of come <laughs> back in. Um, and Cordy... And and with gifts. And with which gifs. is what Angel said, right? Yep. Like, Yep, we were bearing gifts. Um, and I feel like... Um, with Cordy, like her kind of intuitive qualities were really emphasized in this episode. Like the fact that she knows like the second she walks in just by, you know, just by a look, she can tell something's wrong. Um, and kind of just the way that in general, she seems to know how to talk or not talk to Angel. Like she knows when to just be silent, you know, or when to just be with him and let him process or when to kind of offer some, you know, some insight or wisdom or whatever. Um, you know, and even though she kind of misinterprets it slightly, um, you know, even her, uh, perception of the Fred and gun relationship and the fact that she can tell that they're together and that it's, it's a happy thing that that's, you know, making gun kind of, you know, seem different than he had maybe, um, Mm -hmm. you know, she gets slightly wrong about, you know, and how could she know? Um, so her, her intuition isn't sure. It's not foolproof. Um, but you know, it's, it's a long way from Cordy who was kind of wrapped up in herself um, right. You know, and, and she always had intuition, but now I feel like she has intuition plus like, I don't know, empathy or wisdom, you know, so the intuitions being sure. used towards these kind of like, not just to speak truth to people in uncomfortable ways, but also speak truth in like, kind ways as well. Um, and like, yeah. she can perceive the, like the thoughts that they're feeling um, you know, the good ones as well as the kind of not just pointing out their flaws, but kind of bringing them to, you know, I don't know, um, trying to yeah, bring them well, to like a better, more accepting place and everything. Sure. And I don't think she's that far off. Like, Gunn is happy. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him unhappy, right? Like if he wasn't happy in his relationship to Fred, then it wouldn't be that big of a deal right? for him to, you know, sort of, well, one, it's his happiness with Fred and the fact that he's like giving his soul to her sort of in, in a, right. Like that's sort of the metaphor, right? Is that he's giving her his heart and soul mm-hmm. when they don't belong to him anymore, or at least the soul part doesn't belong to him anymore. Right. And that's, that's, that is the problem is that he's happy. And so the fact that he happy, that he's happy causes a situation, which then of course makes him sort of not happy because he knows what's happening, but right, it's kind of paradoxical in that way. Right. In right. that like right. his happiness is the reason for him to be unhappy, you know, because of this thing that he did years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe only years ago. I don't. We don't actually know. I think how old Gunn is, do we? 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, no, it says, seven, exactly. it says seven years ago. So however you look at that, you know. Right. Uh, right, like maybe when he was you know. a late teenager or something. Right. Um, um, although he still looks the same. <laughs> funny how that happens. Yeah. At least they're uh, not. Mango at least I has know. some uh, thoughts on that. At event. least they're not trying to age him back like 30 years or like they did with Ty and Adama. Sure. Seven, seven, you <laughs> yeah. can push. Right. Push seven years. Right. Right. Like maybe between like 17 or 18 and, yeah. you know, 20, right. you know, four or five. Right. Like, right. That's, that's not too big of a difference. Right. Like you can. Right. No, I think 35 oh. is like pushing it a little bit. Um, sure. So. Although then again, at like this point, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure Charisma Carpenter was like in her thirties when she was playing like a teenager or whatever. <laughs> like Sure. Sure. At, in Sunnydale. So, you know, there's, there's that aspect of it too, but that's pretty right. common. Yes. In, yes, you know, that is. Um, the acting world. Um, yeah, no, that that's very true. Um, there's, so since we're just on this topic, there's a there's a meme out there of um, actually the actress who played Kendra. Remember the short lived Slayer? Oh, from, yeah, yeah. Like season two uh, where like she's been in other stuff like since then. And so there's like this meme like showing her like in Buffy and then like all these other, and like she looks exactly the same. Like she hasn't aged a day in like 20 years of like acting. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of funny. Anyway, the, the Paul Rudd um, of the Buffy verse. Well, well, and right, exactly, <laughs> and but like also then like jokes about like maybe she was really a vampire, you know, like right, right, you know that kind of thing. Um, right. Yeah. Whereas some, some actors can get away with it a little bit better than others. Whereas like David Boreanaz has very clearly aged since. Yes. You right. Know, right. Uh, his his very young look in you know the like first or second episode of Buffy whenever we first saw him yes um, right yeah and any, that's and, anyway you, yeah and that's a fairly common TV thing I think you kind of you know you just sure. sort of you just kind of get used to it and stop you know noticing it, it after it's only a, while. a problem when you're playing a character who's supposed to not right age right <laughs> um anyway anyway. We've gone way off the rails here. Yes. And that's mostly my fault. But, uh, um, yeah. So okay. where were we? <laughs> where were we? All right. So we talked about Cordy and Gru. Gru, there isn't, like, a big... There's some funny stuff with him of, like, trying so his kind there, of eagerness to help, but not quite knowing yeah. how to help. So, like, you know, his, his helpful remark about the little squares the little rectangles that get left around and the fact right. that he has like the secret the whole time and like reassuring fred you know i'll return these to him when i see him from confident we shall you know like trying to be <laughs> trying to be nice to her and like you know yeah not really being it, quite conf competent yet in how to help and i think there's a certain um like, I don't want to make too much of it, but, like, with Gru, there's kind of a, like, he's a champion, right? Mm -hmm. Who's just been on vacation with Cordy for mm -hmm. however many weeks. Like, like he hasn't been championing. And, right. And there's a certain uh, amount of, yeah, like, insecurity mm -hmm. or, 
lack of clarity about what his actual role is now mm-hmm. at this point. Um, cause you, like he even says like, you know, Oh, I, I tried to like take her out and buy her things. And like, you know, clearly like he's learned, like, this is what you do when Cordy's upset is like, you know, you take her out and buy her things mm-hmm. and whatnot. But like, that doesn't seem to be soothing her. So like there, you know, and I'm not sure, is it like, like part of it's just the world, right? Like he's in a different world and does, like he's as clueless how to live here as people were clueless, you know, in Pylea, you know, mm-hmm. his home world. And, um, it, and it's also easy to forget that like he and Lauren are the same race, right? Until they have like that little right. conversation right, of like, right. you know, where Lauren's like, oh yeah, I forgot they had a word for whatever the ceremony is. And, right. and you're like, oh, right. They're both Pyleans. Like they're, they have a common heritage here. Right. Right. Um, and uh so yeah like like i think part of he is sort of over eager and and wants to do good but there's also sort of a certain sense of loss that i don't think we've gotten from him before now mm-hmm. um but there's also the fact that like he's he's a dethroned king mm-hmm. as well right like he's a dethroned monarch like he he instituted uh uh democracy and made himself irrelevant you know and like so like there there's just a sense of like he's um like what's the like the japanese uh like the ronin right like who are the the samurai who don't have a master and and so they end up just sort of going out on their own he's he's kind of what wesley wanted to be uh Mm -hmm. in and in his being a rogue demon hunter right like right but he's he doesn't he's not really that rogue and he doesn't have any demons to really hunt right. at this point. Right. So well and like he he is a capable like champion and rogue demon hunter, but he also jumps into like man the reception desk. You know, so there's like sure. there's this kind of like he's in a little bit of a limbo where he'll just try anything at this point, you know, to to fit in or to find a place or to, to help them, you know, and it doesn't, he doesn't have a fixed job yet. Like you said, like maybe he doesn't have a specific role within the group. Um, yeah. And, and I think, I mean, we don't see him a ton in this episode, but like, I think the moments we do see him, you, you kind of see that, like, like there is that desire, but he's not really sure what his role is and what he's trying to do. And, and he doesn't really quite know how to help or, or how to fully interact in, in this world. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> like a hail to you, potential client. <laughs> like yeah. how many of you have service? <laughs> um, right. well, and there's a similarity in the way he talks to the way that, um, Anya talks, you know, like sure. that kind of, Maybe like there's personality differences, but their kind of alienness to human life and and yeah. like 21st century California life and everything like that kind of yeah. over formalized compensation for like, you know, hail to you potential client sounds like something Anya would say, like, you know, treating her, her customers with a kind of reverence that like is seems so like overblown compared to like the way like you know customer service normally works in you know the real world um but you kind of 
you know, overcompensate with, with formality and politeness and everything um, as you're sort of learning the culture, I guess. Um, yeah. So, so I guess to stick with uh, Lorne, the other Pylian, um, <laughs> yeah, they do have that uh, little conversation. Um, and um, other than that, he goes off to do a reading. Um, so, you know, and kind yes. of... Yes. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, kind of, um, on the one hand, admits to, like, kind of wanting to be somewhere else for a little while. Um, right. But on the other hand, tells Fred to call if they need him. So making it clear that if anything goes wrong, he's not totally disappearing. He'll come back if he's needed. So, you know... Um, which she doesn't do. She doesn't do. That's true. Um, I don't. That I mean, maybe neither here nor there. But yeah, he does sort of make that offer, and so maybe part of the question is like, does she? I mean, maybe she just forgets, right? But like, sure. Maybe there's also like a hint there, like, call me if you need anything, but don't call me, like. Sure. I don't know. Um, hmm. I don't, maybe it's not clear one way or the other, but you do get the sense that like, he's definitely, yeah, he has a reading, but it's also like, Hey, how convenient I set up this reading. So I don't have to be here to right. like, yeah, deal with this stuff. <laughs> well, um, and like, I think that kind of makes sense in some ways. Like the rest of them have, like roles to you know like you know fred can kind of keep herself busy with research and gun can go out and do the jobs that wesley left hanging or whatever whereas like lauren kind of all he has is kind of hanging around there and and especially like as this kind of you know sponge of other people's moods and emotions you think like <laughs> he needs a break sure. you know sure. like i think that's fair enough and like this is the job he can do that can give him a break and take him somewhere else and get his mind out of the gloominess yeah. of the hotel and everything. Sure. That's true. And like, he's not really a part of Angel and that like he, he just sort of moved into the hotel because his place kept getting blown up. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Like mostly by know, them. It's yeah. like, well, right. It's, or at least their fault. Like, right. Or with, you know, with them uh, around. Yeah. Uh, you know, Holtz drops the keg bomb into, you know, whatever. And so, uh, yeah, like he's, he's just like, all right, so I'm done with that. Like mm -hmm. clearly, clearly rebuilding Caritas just doesn't make sense anymore. So, but he's not like, is he getting paid to help out at all? Like we, we don't know. Like, like this isn't like the early seasons where we see like, Cordy stressing out about, you know, acting gigs versus, right. you know, getting paid to help investigate. Like, like they actually seem on the business side. Maybe it's just that because we don't hear about it anymore. Like, mm -hmm. but they seem to be at least taking in enough money that like they all have their own places. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, OK, so Angel and I guess Fred has a room at the hotel. Right. So but like Gunn and Cordy have their own places. Wesley has his own place. Mm -hmm. Like 
they're at least making enough money as a group to like afford like three separate apartments, especially given the fact that like they have an entire hotel, like they could all just stay at the hotel Mm -hmm. and like save that money on rent, but they choose not to. So they must be making a decent amount Mm -hmm. of money, uh, you know, in order to do that. Um, but whether Lauren's actually get getting paid, we don't know. So, um, it also kind of makes sense that like, okay, now he, now he's sort of like a freelancer, right? Like now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he doesn't have his, his place, like, you know, I, yeah, he doesn't have his place anymore, but he can still do what he was doing before. He just kind of goes around other people and, and is doing maybe, you know, getting paid, you know, to make home visits or, or whatever. Right. Um, and that's how he supports himself. I guess. I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, and I, you know, you know more than me whether we'll find out, like, whether his position ever becomes, <sighs> I, ever becomes, I actually, like, formalized within the group into any, like, official, like, you know, I mean, role. he does stick her, like, you know, Lauren's, Lauren's there till the end. Like, mm-hmm. he's definitely part of the show. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. I don't remember, actually, if, like, he's ever, like, formalized as, like, I'm an employee of Angel Investigations. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, I have a paycheck just like everybody else and that kind of thing. Like, I don't, I don't know if they ever actually address that. I'm, I'm trying to think and I, I honestly can't remember if they do. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just sort of assumed that, like. He's sticking around. Maybe he continue. Maybe he continues to have these types of readings, and we just don't see them happen. But like, we know because there's this one reference this one time that like he does them, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 that's how he supports himself. And like, sort of in his off hours, he helps out around the hotel. Right, and you can kind of extrapolate from there. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, let's keep an eye out for that because I honestly don't remember fully mm-hmm. what happens with right. that. But but again, all that to just say, like like and it seems like we saw we did see other episodes where they were helping out demons and stuff, right? Like um like the one where they were gonna like replace the demon head with Fred's head. Mm-hmm. You know, like that episode where like, you know, they're they're helping out a bunch of people there. But like, yeah, they they do seem to have like expanded their clientele beyond just helping humans um here because we get like that elderly couple who comes mm-hmm. in right um yes and so they must must be getting you know a decent amount of work in doing that and like so this is again this is sort of the expansion of like right this is this is you know who do i mean by people aliens right like who, who do we mean by helping the helpless well that includes demons who mm-hmm. maybe aren't bad people mm-hmm. <laughs> um and and i think it's interesting because this is at the same time where we're getting like like we're seeing more of clem in buffy mm-hmm. right uh you wait we know his name right the, he, he's the the yeah the like skin, you know the demon with the skin problem who you know right. plays poker with spike for kittens right. um, which in an episode about gambling we should talk about the lack of kittens in this episode sure um, <laughs> Uh, but like we're seeing more of those that like they they're just fine. Like I mean, maybe 
they have some like icky tastes, but like they're not mm-hmm. they're not like bad demons, right? Like we're we're getting right. more and more of of that sort of like gray area mm-hmm. where you know they they just seem to be like living their lives like normal people, right? You know, except they're not people; they're they're demons, and and um, we get some of that here as well. Um, right, right, and. Yeah, not to mention the fact that Lauren and Gru are both, you know, officially or not starting to be part of the team as well. So sure. the diversity within the group is sort of, you know, expanding a bit too. Um, sure, and that's yeah. a good point. Like, I obviously, right, like, again, like, it's easy to forget that Gru's a Pylian, but it's less easy to forget that Lauren is. Right. <laughs> and, like, he's been around, right. like, a while. And, 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 He's not just like live and let live necessarily. He's like actually a, a good member of the team. Like mm-hmm. he's he's a good demon. He's not just a not bad demon. Right, right. He's not like amoral or neutral or anything. He has actively been helpful and, you know. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So this demon couple, um, you know, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time but yeah that's a good point that they are maybe one of if not the only or the first one at least maybe the most prominent example we've had of like demons being clients of angel investigations Mm -hmm. you know of like they look totally inhuman but they're treated like any other person who comes to you know the door and um and in an exaggerated way, kind of act like, you know, it, they squabble about the same, you know, like it, it's maybe they right. squabble about things specific to their lifestyle, but the kind of squabbling is like familiar to, sure. you know, anybody with like, you know, that knows old couples who've, you know, but they've been together for like 300 years. A, yeah. Anyone who's had a set of crotchety grandparents has seen this before, right? Like, right, right. Right. It's just they've been together 300 years rather than 50 years. And, um, you know, yeah. And so kind of leading into um, talking about Fred and Gunn, um, you know, Fred says it's beautiful the way they finish each other's insults. Um, You know, like, so. Yeah. You feel like the more obvious thing would be to have the the squabbling old couple as. um kind of like with Xander, use that as a thing to scare off the young couple as to say mm. like, like, you know, you could see a version of this where maybe Gunn sees, you know, this couple and thinks, oh, this is what happens to people in love. They end up arguing and hating sure. each other and being stuck together. But both Fred and Gunn, their conclusion is that this is beautiful. The fact that they're still together and, you know, and even the way that the arguing is seen as a kind of like playful banter rather than something like totally, you know, abusive or negative or whatever. Um, right. So, yeah, kind of emphasizing that, you know, Fred and Gunn aren't going to necessarily be scared off maybe quite so easily that they're actually looking forward to, you know, a life together, even if it includes petty squabbles and, you know, um, mm-hmm. and things like that. Sure. 
So yeah, they're uh, in a good place when the episode starts. Yeah. Uh, one other, I mean, pretty minor thing, but just to mention it, um, in the conversation with the old couple, we get, so, you know, there obviously there are a few running gags or jokes throughout uh, the, the Buffyverse shows. Um, uh, but we get a mention of leprechauns here, not, not being, not being existing creatures, which of course is kind of fun, right? Like everything else exists. Like every right. other like why creature that's exists. That's like the one random <laughs> thing like, that's actually and, mythical. Yeah. And, and the, uh, sort of implication that anyone who thinks they do exist is just naive or stupid, right? Like, you know, oh, there's werewolves and vampires and, you know, all sorts of, you know, crazy, weird creatures and stuff, but, but you believe in leprechauns? Like, whatever. Right, right. And, you know, um, the last time, the, I mean, it's been a while. So the last time we got the reference was in um, Faith, Hope, and Trick. Uh, okay. Way back at, you know, early, is that early season three, I guess, of Buffy? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a good, good few years ago. Um, and I don't think we get another reference in the shows about leprechauns, but it's just one of those things where, you know, one of those little bits of mythology that sort of is a recurring gag, even if it only recurs. How many times does it have to recur? To be <laughs> um, is one time enough? I don't know. Um, but sort of like the references to like the, the world with no shrimp or, or the world with right. only shrimp. And, uh, right. We'll actually get a couple more, I believe references of that um, in either Buffy and or can't remember exactly uh-huh. where we get them but we we we'll get a few more so um not quite like if if bunnies is like way on the one side where we get like repeated references to it and we know that like anya really dislikes bunnies and this is like the other end where it's like only like two references but just kind of a fun right right, right. reminder it's, that like it's a it's at least a callback if not a full motif or or right. recurrence or something right yeah what what is the exact technical term for you know this uh, callback's good. Callback's good. I think I'm gonna go with but, callback. Uh, but again, just that humor of like how how ridiculous it is to think that leprechauns actually exist. Right. All of these other things are uh, in existence. Right. Right. The kind of arbitrariness of that rule. Um, right. Um. Yeah. Okay. Um, we kind of talked about Fred and Wesley already. Was there anything else that we didn't hit on with them that we wanted to? Um, no, just, I mean, to reiterate her, I, I think they do really well that moment of where you think she's forgiving him mm-hmm. and then completely turns it and tells him he's wrong. Right. And, you know, don't like... And then she, and then like, not just wrong, but almost a threat. Like, and it's not her threatening Wesley, but it's right. saying, it's warning him, I mm-hmm. guess, that there is a threat, and that if Angel sees you, he'll kill you. You know, don't come back till it's hell. And then like, I don't know if it's quite discussed, but um, chagrin. Uh, I don't. I, I'm not sure quite what the term is, but. Um, you know, her telling him that the prophecy was fake and mm-hmm. Angel was never going to hurt Connor. Um, and then she says it was all for nothing, kind of like, as she's leaving, mm-hmm. you know. And 
and right kind that of that whole a, like it she's telling him the truth but it's a it's a slightly mean way to end the conversation like on the, right. the biggest slap of all you know um, right so like almost contemptuous in a way mm-hmm. like just just like you know why are people so stupid and right, like people right. being wesley <laughs> like right. people being like, you in the hospital bed right now and like, it's and it's her saying like i'm telling you I'm giving you a piece of my mind but just in case you have any notions that this was still a noble cause it's not and i'm out of here so right you just can sit with that in silence and you know yeah. leaves him to sort of process it um and like it and and in, in silence because he can't re- like there's literally right. even if he wanted to respond there's right. he can't he can't right and and she's not gonna do his thinking and his processing and his talking for him just sort of you know lets it yeah. lets it lie um and like I don't think in that scene with her the words like you know forgiveness really come up necessarily but like. It kind of seems no. like, it kind of seems like, for her, she does keep mentioning that she understands, and it's like it kind of makes me think like, just because you might forgive someone doesn't mean that you forget. Like the title of the episode that we chose sure. is, it's like she might be of all of them have the most sort of understanding or even sympathy for his position. But that doesn't mean that he is completely exonerated of what he's done. And she's going to tell him that, like, like you said, just because I understand doesn't mean that what you did was the right thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And And there's more to your action than just good motivation. There's also, there's also right and wrong to the action itself. Um, so, yeah. So forgiving yeah. and forgetting are more complicated than just, you know, Angel's sort of vehement rage and everything. It's like, well, Fred can maybe understand him, maybe even forgive him, but can she totally let it go? Not necessarily. Um, well, and and it's not even Fred, because, like, she's not the one sort of, who's like, wrong. it's not her that's going right. to kill him, right? right. Like. right. And and she like she brings Wesley stuff like right which I I would see as like part of that like willingness to forgive but it's that that thing of like like forgiving you're yeah it doesn't necessarily mean forgetting but but even if you did forget it wouldn't absolve you from the consequences mm-hmm. of the thing that you did right like which has nothing to do with forgetting or for, like there's you acted in a particular way and that action causes a chain reaction, whether, you know, whether it's sort of an unstoppable, you know, unstoppable physical thing or, or whether it's hurt emotions and feelings and, you know, all of that, which is what Angel has, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, there's, there's the fact that Connor and Holtz, you know, went into the Kortoth and like, like you can't change that. You can't reopen that portal. Yeah. Like that's, that's a fact of magic or physics or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, but there's also the emotional turmoil of Angel. Like, like even, even like Gunn and Lorne and Cordy might all be able to forgive him. But like, like those two things, they can't do any, they can't do anything about that. Like mm-hmm. that's, 
the consequences of of Wesley's actions have nothing to do with forgiveness or forgetting. Like mm -hmm. maybe on Angel's part, if he could see it in himself to forgive, that might come eventually. But at at this point, yeah, like there's there's real world consequences to the actions, and you you could have all the forgiveness in the world, and that's not going to change the the fact that like Connor is gone and mm -hmm. that is you know something that hurts Angel and mm -hmm. is making him want to kill Wesley so right. anyway like that's yeah I I mean you're right like friend doesn't say she forgives him or anything um, she does say she understands him she brings him his stuff right um, right and, and I'm not and all of yeah. that so like like there's at least potential forgiveness there but but there's definitely that sense of, like, yeah, it's all for nothing. And now, you know, we've lost a member of our family, mm -hmm. to kind of put it in Angel's words. Um, right. Right. And like you said, warns him away. So don't try to, don't even try right. to come back and make it right. You know? Um, right. Like, you won't even have a chance. Right. Like, Angel won't give you a chance to speak and, right. you know, whatever. All right. Well, I guess in the last 15 minutes, we should talk about the main part of the episode, <laughs> um, yeah. which is Gunn's uh, story with the with the casino. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's this casino run by demons, yeah. but kind of like a mixture of demons and humans, or at least human looking people. Um, and, you know, it has all your standard, you know, casino you know, card games and slot machines and everything, but apparently I, I didn't catch their names, so I just called him the boss demon. Um uh Genoth. Genoth? Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna write that down because I definitely didn't get that. Um Yeah, I think they say it once like real quick. Like And it's I, I not... could have looked it up and I did. Um That's fine. So he also kind of trades in uh human lives or, or maybe demon mm. lives too. We don't know. Um, you know, from, you know, so he's got this kind of like under the table, black trade going, yeah. you know, black market trade going in, in humans well, and, and everything. Um, and I think, I think there's right. So, um, angel calls him the soul sucker. Mm -hmm. Right. So that seems to be like at least one common currency in which he deals. Mm -hmm. Um, but like we also see like like it that's he's not limited to that right like it, at the beginning we see like he tells uh now his second in command i don't think does have a name or at least i don't think we're ever given it um but i called who, him you know, that's, british demon right like he he's kind of like this consigliere or whatever right, right? like right. Or, or the guy who gets sort of sent out to oversee things um and he's you know Jenoff tells him like you know take whichever handed i forget you know take his right hand or whatever and like talking about a demon so like there's there's other payments there's other forms of right you know bets that are being made apparently but like souls are sort of his main currency it seems like right um right so so we find out with guns backstory um 
Weird Al has totally ruined Gangster's Paradise for me, by the way. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Um, oh, man. <laughs> it's lost its, ed- lost its edge slightly. Um, yeah. Thanks to um, many songs have been ruined that way for me. Um, uh, where was I going with this? So that aside, in Guns, like the flashback, we see that he... For an unspecified thing written on a piece of paper, he sells, you know, seven years ago, he sold his soul to this, you know, uh, to this demon. Um, Mm -hmm. So one thing that was interesting to me was, um, maybe this is the way it should be, but to me, they kind of conflate the idea of a soul with the idea of a future. you yeah. know, they kind of seem to use them interchangeably in this episode, um, which, you know, um, I think there's like, it got a little confusing to me the first time I watched it. Um, I mean, I feel like I can see how kind of, I guess, symbolically that works of like the idea of, you know, if your soul is your idea of yourself your identity and you know any kind of happiness in your life or spiritual fulfillment or whatever it is that that's dependent on having some sort of future ahead of you um so so it's like kind of but it it is a little unclear to me like okay if you say gun lost i I think it's simpler i think it's simpler than all that i think i think you're thinking too hard i think i think when a human loses their soul they die Okay. Because, like, with a vampire, a vampire doesn't have a soul because it's a demon inhabiting, like, the corpse of a human, right? Okay. Like, and and so that's why they turn to dust, right? Like, you stab them in the heart and, like, that magically does something to the demon, makes it leave. And then, like, the corpse turns to dust because, like, it's already been dead and, like, there's nothing to sustain it anymore. Mm-hmm. I think I think the reason why soul and future are conflated is because by taking the soul of a human the human's gonna die gotcha and and so, so the I, no future I, is the consequence of yeah i mean that's that's never stated mm-hmm. that's just my interpretation of it but i think that's sort of like that's the gordian knot we can sort of cut through is just mm-hmm. like okay by taking gun soul that means gun's gonna die and yeah which is like like that's Right, you take your last breath and then you let go and then your soul goes to wherever souls right. go after it they die. Like right, right. like it it's usually thought of the other way, like the body dies and the soul leaves. Mm-hmm. But like I think this is just sort of like backtracking into that saying, like, oh, okay, so if you take the soul from the human body, mm-hmm. then the body's just gonna die. Like and it's not yeah. gonna have an independent existence like if Angel loses his soul, then the demon takes over and mm-hmm. you know that's right just a soulless demon in a right. human body right and that makes more like, sense because it did confuse me a bit like all right say gun lost and they took his soul like what would happen like would he yeah drop dead there on the spot that is kind of what it seems like but then also that's I don't know, my I'm, interpretation and, yeah. and i think i was imagining like maybe other kinds of stories where like maybe you could live without a soul but then once you died you wouldn't know what happens next. Like you don't have 
sure. a soul to go on to whatever it is that's next. And so the, the, I guess the problem would be a delayed one. Like it would be a problem well, I, for future you who's dead. Um, and I but just, this, this makes, I think this is probably, you're probably right that that's the way they're, that's the way they seem to be describing it. Um, I think just thinking back, like thinking about like Faust and like other, right. like, you know, uh, things where, you know, stories where like people sell their souls like that. That's usually the implication is that like selling of the soul means like the, the you know, then the devil like comes and like takes right. you to hell. And that's right. basically and that's right? like, that I think was the assumption I was making, but it does at times seem like he is just going to lose his life, which is probably why your right. reading is the, is the right one. And, and so that's why, like when they're talking about like, it's not that like, it's not like the future is a tangible thing that Genoff is taking. It's, you know, Gunn losing his future is a result of the taking of the soul and him dying. Right. Mm -hmm. So right. it's sort of, I, with, I don't, I forget like what like the technical literary or like grammatical term, like metonym or like, you know, it's like calling, calling a thing by like, not what the thing actually is. It's like a sort of, you know, right. metaphor, but right. you know, you're using a different name for this thing. Right. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yep. anyway, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, we don't find what, uh, he actually sold his soul for until later. <laughs> um, but we find out that he did this, um, which leads to, the conversation that we talked about with Cordy where she kind of picks up on the fact that he's happy with Fred, but sort of unhappy about his happiness and kind of distressed with how to, uh, you know, how to go because of course they throw Fred into the deal as well. So he can't just, um, run or fight or try to weasel his way out of it because that would put Fred in danger. So his only, according to him, his only choice is to sort of go through with it. Um, and, you know, goes way over the top with like a huge big day out where he's cramming every fun activity in that he can and being extra romantic and all this stuff to the point where Fred is about to like burst you know with like fun and waffles and you know um yeah. <laughs> and, she, like all all the carbs that she loves or whatever what is what is she says like pancakes and right and pancakes fries, and like, waffles and yeah or waffles and, right um yeah so um so she picks up on the fact that he's behaving weird you know and like mm -hmm. okay like yeah we normally have a good time but this is you know overkill a bit and he must be overcompensating for something and so she's trying to probe him to figure out what it is um so he changes direction and um you know basically like breaks up with her but also kind of tries to get her to sort of be okay with the breakup because he treats her like crap um you know and 
calls her names and says he's, you know, he's over it and not interested in everything. Um, and, you know, after Fred's lecture to Wesley about how he should have trusted them and talked to them and brought his troubles to the group and had faith in his friends, you know, it's kind of conspicuous that Gunn pretty much does the same thing, you know, like rather than come to Angel or tell Fred what is, you know, the, the trouble, he keeps it to himself and decides to take care of it himself. Um, and like ends up deliberately hurting her to do what he thinks is the right thing. Um, so it's a kind of interesting parallel between the two, mm -hmm. I think. Which Angel's done that too. So is this a male thing? Are we getting a comment on <laughs> <laughs> on the guys in the group who kind of don't speak up when they, you know? Like I'm trying to think of like have we had similar situations with like Cordy and Fred? Um not that I can and maybe it's a, it might be a little bit of a stereotype um but sure but it's one that they're indulging in on the show at the moment um <laughs> and so therefore totally valid and so therefore well i mean i'm just saying blame the show if you think it's an untrue stereotype um eh. but well okay but okay so stepping back like Yes, that's all. Like, I don't disagree with what you've said. Um, but stepping back, what does it say about, like, Fred, that it does take her so much longer than Cordy to figure out that something's wrong? Hmm. Well, like, I mean, Cordy's coming back not as an outsider, but with time off, with renewed perspective. She's been away from the group. She's maybe able to maybe perceive it more from the outside and she's not in their relationship. So it's not, it's like easier to observe things about other people. I think sometimes then about your own, um, quirks or your own blind spots or things that you are not necessarily conscious of doing. Um, so I would put it more down to that of, I mean, to be honest, I think it's to Fred's credit that she doesn't get taken in by his really, you know, awful, mean breakup. Sure. Or at least not for very long. But like, and I, I kind of like the scene where she's like, intellectually, she understands that this is, you know, deliberate and calculated and not like him, but still angry and hurt. You know, and so she's kind of yeah. fighting with both, like the line where when Court, when Angel finally says you guys are dating and she's like, well, not anymore, I guess, you know, like that kind of <laughs> the exasperation of that, like, you know, is just very funny. But like that she doesn't just dissolve into despair because Gunn said mean things to her and broke up that like mm -hmm. that she's at least perceptive. Cause you, and you couldn't really blame her for that if she did, but she is perceptive enough to see that this isn't like him and 
that there might be other motivations behind it. Right. Right. But, but then from the other side, it's that thing of like, oh, honey, like you can't just like, like that's Cordy's reaction, right? It's like, oh, well, right. But he broke up with you and said really mean things about you. Like he doesn't still love you. (laughs) Like, right. Which would be the typical reaction of like, not that Cordy and Fred are necessarily best friends, although Fred doesn't really have any other friends outside of this group, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there is that sense of like, hey, uh, he dumped you in a really terrible way in a really public place. Like, it's over. And mm-hmm. and that should be the, re- like, any good friend should encourage you know mm-hmm. that sort of outlook not not encourage you know their friend to continue right. to pursue this toxic relationship but right. right as it turns out yeah you're right like there is there's is that sense that after that like like once fred realizes it like she cuts through the quick mm-hmm. you know pretty cuts to the quick through the yeah anyway uh you know pretty quickly and so uh Yes, I agree. That is to her credit. But it does, t- like, like, Cordy comes back, and you're right, like, maybe there's a sense of she's been away, and so when she comes back, it's like, oh, there's this thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes, like, most of the day of, like, you know, seeing Gun in, in manic mode uh, before she realizes that there's something out. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Well, and, I mean... Just because she turns out to be right doesn't necessarily mean that she doesn't have those blind spots. Like, you know, like if she, uh, is it, is her disbelief of what Gunn did totally down to her amazing skills of perception? Or is there a part of her that doesn't want to believe it? And like, yeah, luckily she's right on the money and that is what it turns out to be, but Maybe the fact that she's happy to let him be totally manic and overdo it with the gestures and the fact that she can't imagine him, you know, breaking up with her, part of that could just be, you know, the newness and the infatuation of the relationship and everything. Um, You know, I mean, it's because she turns out to be right in this episode, it's kind of hard to say one way or the other about that you know um i mean i'd like to think that it is that like she picked up on that she picked up on things because she's that sort of um clear-minded about it but um but i think it's hard to kind of say for sure um so yeah he uh you know, does his little act and then goes off to, you know, uh, hand his soul over. Um, Mm -hmm. Fred goes and goes to the group, does the thing that everyone else is not doing. Um, she takes her own advice and goes to the group. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't really think of that, but you're right. Like, like she criticizes Wesley, but, and to her credit, like she She, does exactly what she's saying he should have done. Right. And, and, you know, gun too at the end of like, um, you know, like that he 
should have told her and everything. So she's actually like practicing what she's preaching and everything. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, I, that's a great point. Like I, it's pretty obvious, but like, I totally didn't think of that in that way. Like she's telling Wesley and Gunn precisely the same thing. Mm -hmm. And they made precisely the same mistakes Mm -hmm. of not going to the group. So that brings up, a okay. I mean, at least with Gunn, it's like only, not only, because like him dying affects other people, but like it's his own problem that he made years ago and that he's dealing with. It's not stealing someone else's kid, right. you know, because, you know, in, in order to save him or. or yes, right. There's a, there's a so like there, of, yeah. there, there's definitely a different quality to that. Yeah. But, like, if you're just talking, like, type of thing, like, these these fall into the same category mm-hmm. of, you know, not trusting in each other to, mm-hmm. you know, have the group handle the situation. Right. Just kind of saying, I've, I've got this. I don't need, you know, for whatever, for their noble motivations, you know, they have their reasons, but that's what they're deciding is... Um, which you know. kind of gives gives a new meaning to the title of double or nothing as well. Hmm. Just in that Sure. You know, if you're if you're looking at Wesley as having made that mistake and Gunn having made that mistake as well, like like that's the double, maybe. But then again, the degree is different, sort of the situations are a little bit different and Right. The the effect had you know gun gone through with it well i mean he did go through with it but like had it you know had he actually had his soul taken like that effect would be very different than Mm -hmm. you know the effect of of wesley taking connor Mm -hmm. yeah anyway yeah yeah so um i mean i think the so the kind of final they find him pretty quickly um and uh with, well, with the help of yeah. Bruce little triangles um well yes and like angel already seems to know so like angel might have right you know already known where to find like this right. casino has been around a while like i'm sure they probably knew it it existed know where it is right had never had right you know sort of occasion to go there right until now. right um yeah and i think the final like the climax is fairly straightforward but you know just to kind of talk through it um you know gun is fairly passive in it like there's really nothing he can do at that point it's just sort of his fate is in angel's hands um and angel decides to gamble with his soul which you know uh slightly different consequences for him than for other people if he loses his soul as they point out um you know he'll go nuts and kill all of them his friends included if he loses um but he has been motivated to action and you know doesn't back down and in the end he and cordy kind of cheat their way out right like he loses and she's ready there to assist him with the stake but at you know but hits the hand of the demon and an angel takes him out and then they just get the crowd to sort of sick on him while they can kind of sneak out the back um 
So. Right. Like re- relying on sort of the self-interest of everyone else who owns, right. who owes Genoff right. whatever they owe him. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and that turns out to be, uh, speaking of bets, that turns out to be a good a one. A good bet. That, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. That gun's not his only, you know, victim, uh, in, in the house and everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a gamble that Angel makes, but maybe with this kind of, if he was planning to play dirty, it's not as big of a gamble as it seems when he, you know, sure. seems to actually, you know, offer his soul as, you know, uh, part of the winnings and everything. Um, yeah. you know, and just he and Cordy are so in sync with each other at this point. Um, not that she wouldn't stake him if she had to, but she knows what he has up his sleeve and can kind of play along. Um, sure. Well, maybe. Or is that just Cordy acting on her own and Angel taking a cue? Like, sure. That that was a little more than... That's a little more of how I took it, actually, was that, you know, uh, when Cordy first takes the stake, it's like, yeah, okay, if you turn evil, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. stake you. But in that moment, she sort of sees the opening of, mm-hmm. hey, I can pin this demon's hand to the table and then right. Angel, you know, finishes the job. So Sure. So it's more uh, Angel taking her cue rather than the other way around. Um, that's the way I read it. Sure. But, I mean, I don't think... I don't think either one is more right than another. Like I could, I could totally see it the other way too. Right. And either way they are, you know, their teamwork is sort of, you know, exemplified and everything. Um, right. So, yeah. So they, they sneak out the back um, and, you know, the crowd, the mob takes care of, you know, the bad guy. Um mm-hmm. And then we find out what it is that uh, Gunn sold his soul for in the first place. <laughs> um, and it was his beloved truck. Um, totally a, you know, whatever, 17-year-old thing to do. Sure. Um, you know, although his he points out that its value as a kind of, you know, a thing, a survival thing, you know, that it, it was something he needed for his work, you know, um, and was, you know, so sure that he wouldn't have a future anyway, that he was willing to gamble with whatever future he may have had in order to get the tools that he needed, you know, to do his job and to try to help people. So it's not quite as frivolous as it sounds, you know, uh, there might be some, you know, uh, you know, frivolity involved, but not entirely. Um, there's also like a practical side to it too. Um, but yeah, now, uh, he's not so sure that he doesn't have a future. Um, and in fact, it was his relationship with Fred that alerted the demons to the fact that he was going to renege on the bargain, you know? It's not just like, oh, it's seven years and it's time to collect. It's like they could sense somehow that he was, 
you know, starting to fall in love with Fred and that that's what triggered them to come looking for him. Um, so kind of confirming for sure, uh, you know, his feelings for her and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so one last little thing, and this is, this isn't really a story thing, just kind of a maybe discontinuity, um, in mm -hmm. Gunn's character a little bit mm -hmm. is that, um, it's sort of implied. And I don't remember, I don't remember exactly which episode, um, would have to look it up. It's sort of implied, like when he's first becoming more involved with angel investigations and the team and stuff that like he wasn't aware of sort of the underlying demon community like like the first time they go to like caritas like mm -hmm. he's like really upset that like places like this exist and mm -hmm. whatever but like this clearly shows that like he right. should have been aware that places like that existed sure. um, so just maybe a little little bit of retconning of his character mm -hmm. um you know i don't know that's a huge deal mm -hmm. uh you know whatever but just kind of a you know kind of a little bit of a uh discontinuity thing there okay figured i'd mention it interesting all right Anything else? Just, uh, just, just since I've been critical of other shows when they do it, so I want to make sure to be fair. To be fair. Whedon shows occasionally, uh, you know, rewrite their own histories as well. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. So, on to uh, BSG. And uh, at least we're not talking about everybody this week. <laughs> right only, only no like it kind of concentrates two, two two thirds of the right people. maybe on half or two thirds of the group yeah um so yeah i wanted to start out with this whole idea of the circle and sort of mm -hmm. what it is and how it came to be and the rules and wherefores of it sure um sure and actually so, before I didn't, I forgot to mention this. Um, the only production note I want to mention is since we're going to start with like um, Zarek and the circle is Richard Hatch died this week. Um, yeah. Oh, so yeah. as a little recent production note that, you know, obviously this episode was from a while ago, but um, this is just within the last week, I think that happened and, yeah. and he's notable in this episode. So I thought, Oh, I should. Sure. We should mention him. Um, so sure. and of, and of course, we won't actually be posting this for like two and a half. Right. Months, so at but, the time of recording, um, this is at the time yeah. of recording. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So yeah, I mean, not. I, we don't have to make a big thing of it. Just wanted to sort of, you know, point that out. All right. Well, we're starting with his character here anyway, uh, because it's. Zarek's uh, executive order, which I mean, we don't learn about it till later in the episode, mm -hmm. right? But um, right, there are kind of you know hints turn, of it earlier turn, on, but you don't really know until later. You know, so we don't really know how long. I I guess assuming that Baltar, you know, Baltar is told that he's been held for like three days, mm -hmm. so like 
we can assume that's how long it's been since the Cylons left. And I, I think they New say Africa. that. I think they say at one point that, uh, I think when Celix is the one that like reads out the like sentences and everything, I think she says to Jammer like, like on this the third day of the Exodus or something. Um, so like, oh, okay. I think it is supposed to be that. I, I definitely missed that then, but I'm, okay. I think we can take it that the events are happening somewhat simultaneously. Like there are a few days. Yeah. Um, it's like, and, and so we have like transitional government as well, right? Like this is right. like Zarek knows they only have a few days, right? right. Like to, uh, you know, go through. Right. And Anything he wants to push house. through, he's got, he's got a, a window right. of opportunity. And, and the pushing through, like, even that's only going to be, ten- like, he knows that this executive order he gives isn't going to last mm-hmm. right like right. you know once the next administration up so anything that he does uh, you know he's not going to get like a quorum vote he's not going to get any actual legislation through mm-hmm. but it's just sort of the things that he can control you know until he's no longer in power mm-hmm. um so this executive order um i mean we don't get the full effect like we don't actually see what it says and everything but it's the basics of it are um, that it sets up this sort of special jury, mm-hmm. which um, they call the circle. Uh, and apparently, I mean, I don't, it's unclear whether like juries in the colonies are only six people or if maybe like because it's a special jury, like that it's only six people, but mm-hmm. that's the number, like that's the magic number. And apparently you have to have exactly six. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have a lesser number. Um, right. And for, of, and for their, for any death sentences, you have to have a unanimous vote. Like right. you can't have a hung jury isn't going to fly right. or whatever. Yeah. Right. There's no like mistrial, like right. either everyone agrees or, or it's not, you know, they don't go forward. Um, and so you get like, I mean, as as you do with any group of people, you get sort of different understandings of, you know, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like um, Connor, is that the, mm-hmm. the guy, the other, the, the other guy right. uh, in the group um, who's not Ty, Terrell, or Sam? Right. Um, right, who we saw as a resistance member. That's kind of why I pointed yeah, him out. Yeah, but just kind like of for like, like a minute, like in the background. Yeah, like. Um, well, but so I mean, it's significant that they're all resistance members, right? Sure, sure. Although you kind of get the sense that, like, like yes there were probably a lot of people who weren't technically resistance but who also weren't like working with baltar in the government so like sure maybe maybe there's a decent group of people who are who are neither but like you also get the sense that like like that's they're the only ones who care about this mm. too right so like right right like, to serve on such a jury, you almost would have to be a resistance member or had to have been one because you wouldn't be on board with this. Otherwise, otherwise like, yeah, right. like you wouldn't like right. care enough to do it. Right. 
Um, right. Or might might or it might have only been opened up to them because they wanted to keep it secret. And if they opened it up right. to people or not, like there's that risk of it, the resistance members have a proven track of knowing how to keep secrets simply for the fact that mm-hmm. they were part of the resistance and, and their lives depended on right. keeping secrets. Right. right. So there's that aspect of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like Connor is kind of like, oh, we can whip through, you know, 57 uh, uh, death sentences pretty quickly. Like, give me an hour. Mm-hmm. And he gets rebuked from Ty. Right. You know, right, by Ty. Uh, you know, you think we're a bunch of thugs handing out punishment on a whim? Uh, Jammer didn't get airlocked because you thought he was guilty. There was evidence. He was tried and convicted by the circle. This is about justice. You got that justice. Um and then he goes on, you know, it's a jury. I want to make it clear. It's not about settling scores or personal grudges. This is later when he's talking to, when they're talking to Starbuck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tyrrell agrees with them. We're just dealing out the, dealing with the worst of the worst. People that did more than put on a New Caprica uniform or uh, New Caprica police uniform or make a deal with the Cylons. Um, right. So. Right. This is for extraordinary crimes. They're not. Right. Everyone who made but, a moral compromise isn't on the list. This is for the ones that I guess Zarek has deemed the real, you know, extreme offenders and everything. Yeah. Well, and we don't know who came up with the list. Sure. Do we? We don't. Like, like, no, that's a good point. Right. Uh, I mean, Zarek was in jail. What does he know? So maybe right. uh, probably and the others did at least suggest names, even if they didn't and, have the final decision. And so this is the thing I want to talk about here because lists become mm. a big topic of conversation yep. in this episode. Not, not just the list of people who are, you know, under investigation by the circle, but also the list of people who were uh, to be executed by the Cylons and who knew about that. Mm-hmm. List. And, you know, obviously like when they get to Gata, that becomes like a big point of contention. And so, you know, the problem, so we know, we know what happened, right? So we saw mm-hmm. uh, Baltar with a gun to his head being forced by the Cylons to sign mm-hmm. the death list. Mm-hmm. We also know that Gaeta is the one who provided that list to the resistance mm-hmm. so that they could do something about it. Right. And so the problem here becomes Ty and these others are the ones making up the list. And Zarek, like you said, like you pointed out, he was in detention. He doesn't know who did what. Right. So he's having to rely on them to make a list. Or Zarek did make the list, and it's completely arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those things is true. And then Zarek is just rubber stamping these decisions mm-hmm. by the circle to make it seem efficient. Mm-hmm. And so... In that respect, like which is actually worse, right? Because again, like at least Baltar was under duress, right? Like he didn't want to do it. He tried to refuse, and you might, like you can imagine Ty saying, "Well, then you should have let them shoot you," mm-hmm. and maybe Ty would have let them shoot him mm-hmm. himself. But it's hard for me. As much as I want to blame Baltar for many things. Sure. It's hard for me to look at that and say, I wouldn't have signed that list too. Right. With a gun to my head. Right. Like, 
I don't know. I certainly hope I'm never in that position. I doubt I ever would be. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for me to entirely blame Baltar in that particular situation. Right. There's plenty of uh, there's plenty of other legitimate reasons to blame him. Mm-hmm. You know, up to and and maybe you can blame him for like allowing the situation to develop where he could be put under that sort of duress. Right. But that's that's like at least once or twice removed mm-hmm. from the actual, you know, signing of the right. the thing with a gun to his head. Right. Um, well, it's one of the few places where we actually saw him make any sort of resistance, you know, even yeah. if it didn't work, even if he still gave in. Um, you know, like I think we talked about at the time, like for once he actually does at least try to say, no, that's too far. Um, and so right. it's kind of ironic that that is, the, of all the crimes, maybe the one that is seen as the most important crime. Obviously, they don't know that he did that. Right. But the, to the right. point. Yeah, no one else but Cylons and, was there. But, right? and, you know, besides Baltar. And this is a, a, a huge flaw within, you know, the premise of the circle is that they don't know any of this, um, you know. Right, right. Well, so that's that's where we're getting to with Gaeta, right? Is that Ty, despite Ty's, you know, yelling at Connor that this is, you know, about evidence and, you know, being tried and, and convicted and justice, mm-hmm. uh, Tyrrell tries to point out that, like, nobody was there. Nobody saw what happened mm-hmm. in, you know, the Colonial One and... Whether Gaeta actually, you know, oh, okay, well, his name was wherever. And it turned out Gaeta did see that list. But, of course, Gaeta saw the list and then didn't, like, like their accusation is, you saw this list and did nothing. But that's not true. Right. He saw the list and turned it over to the resistance so that they, and, like, like again, we saw the scene. Right. He sprinted. Right. To tell them as quickly as possible once he found out. Right. Like, this isn't, like... I sat on my ass and then like thought about it, was it for a while for me. And, right, right. Like, like this is something that his running that fast could have triggered something from the silence. Say, why is Gaeta running so fast? You know, towards right. the camp and leaving this thing by a yellow dog dish. Like, right. Like this is something that could have taken notice and put him in in mortal danger. Right. So right. Well, and similarly it, with confronting Baltar about it, you know, like. Like, I would imagine he didn't do that much in the four years of the occupation is argue with Baltar and the Cylons about their orders. Um, But again, like, the fury of how could you sign this list, you know? Um, Like, yeah, like, his reaction obviously, you know, potentially could have put him at risk and which would have meant that he wouldn't have gotten the list to them in the first place. Um, Sure. So... Yeah. So yeah. Like, right. So like, yeah. So within so, the circle, we get like, uh, you know, a spectrum of how um, deep they are into their own delusions about this being an objective jury or not. You know. Yeah. Like Connor has no illusions about that, really. Um, or at least he doesn't care. Like it's not about right. the the judicial system being upheld. It's about these are awful people who deserve to be executed and I will take care of that for you. No problem. Ty has 
you know, uh, rationalizations of objectivity that, you know, obviously aren't true because when they're pointing out later, like, you know, well, rumor and reputation has it that Gata was the brains behind the operation. So therefore anything Baltar did, we can blame Gata for like, you know, at that point, like, as Tyrrell points out, like, well, you're just, you know, combining two different people who had completely different actions and responsibilities. Um, and, and so he has none of us were there and to see anything. There. So he, Ty thinks he's being sort of, you know, Mr. Justice when, you know, uh, you know, obviously he's, or, he's or, not. Or w- whether he thinks it or not, that's what he's arguing. Sure. You know, to other people. Um, so, yeah. So, like, there's there's a real sense here where this whole situation is in some respects way worse than, you know, Baltar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not worse than the Cylons themselves, but but worse than whatever Baltar's, you know, whatever complicity you can put at, you know, Baltar's feet, you know, in surrendering to the Cylons and, and doing or not doing, you know, their will. Mm -hmm. Like, like this seems way worse because of its calculation and deliberateness Mm -hmm. um, on the parts of, of these humans Mm -hmm. than anything that Baltar did with the Cylons. Right. Um, Right. Well, like, I forget who says it, but the line about like, like, oh, he saw the list and didn't do anything about it. Like, you could throw the same accusation at these people. You know there's a death list, and what are you doing about it? You're going along with it. You're helping it, you yeah. know? Well, and, uh, you know, I, in particular to me, Tyrrell. Like, like, I feel like Tyrrell is the sort of... He's the good person okay, we'll, who's doing nothing, <laughs> you know? Well, well, we, you know, like, we like Sam. Right. Especially his eyes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, here it's more more his moral, uh, uh, you know, he, he he does go along with it, but he at least, like, backs out when it becomes too crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, like, at least with Jammer, not that I like that they killed Jammer, mm-hmm. and, like, you wish they hadn't because yeah. again, like I, even with Jammer, I feel like there was a sense in which he at least thought he was trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, and while you can understand like his logic was flawed, like, right. Do, he doesn't like, deserve to be summarily executed in the way that he is, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, Sam agrees with killing Jammer, mm-hmm. but he all like at the end of that, he's like, this isn't what I signed up for. Right. And it's like, you know, okay. So what did you think you were signing up for? Mm-hmm. Hard to say. Cause like, again, we don't see the actual, exa- like we don't necessarily know mm-hmm. what this is, but maybe, maybe it's, you know, feelings of guilt or whatever, right. but he sticks with it. And and they vote on it, and he, and he ends up voting yes, right, mm-hmm. for someone on another ship who they have taken care of. And mm-hmm. um, we get a number later of 13. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess we don't actually know 
Like, I guess Gata must be the 14th person. I think so, because, like, Jammer's or, included is... Yeah, right. So, yeah, Gata would have been um, 14, I guess. Or at least that's how many people are have disappeared. You know, maybe maybe there's some squishiness there in the actual number. Right. Because maybe people... You know, maybe and, with and maybe Lee's report... And maybe some know. were... Some were tried and exonerated. Uh, and so the list is longer yeah. than that. But those are the 13. But still, that's a lot of people to say, sure. chuck them out an airlock, you know? Um, so, yeah. So, well, and not just that, but like in like a three-day period. Right. Considering like, right. you know, at least in like the U.S. system, like, you know, death penalty cases can go on for a decade. Right. Right. you know or or whatever you know with all the appeals and stuff and right. that's precisely what Zarek doesn't like right right um so yeah so so we get that number um there's somewhere i was going with that but like you know again like oh you're talking about at sam least, kind at of least with jammer, reluctantly going through with it yeah at least with jammer like like there's legit like he legitimately killed people who shouldn't have been killed mm -hmm. And I mean, not legitimate. It was illegitimately killed them. But like, like they had that. They knew it. He admitted to it. Like, right. like if there's right, uh, le it, like of the farce, like his is less farcical than the others. Right. right. Like whether or not he deserved this sentence, he at least right. was guilty, guilty of, of the things doing that they're what accusing they him of. Whereas that's not the case with with Gaeta. And right. potentially with others, you know, that opens it up to right. what about those other and so, people? Um, so, so you can, so at least with Sam, like you give him credit for like saying, all right, this has gone too far. Right. Although I, I would have liked him to have stayed just to be that dissenting vote. Vote no, right? Like, right? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> right. the more, the more I think about it, it's like actually the more courageous thing than leaving and saying, I'm not going to be part of this yeah. and being replaced, you know, by your wife mm -hmm. who is perfectly fine with killing plenty of people right. um, would have been to say, okay, fine. I'm just going to say no to everything, no matter what right. the evidence. Or, um, or go to Adama. Or go to Adama. <laughs> right. Either of those. So like, yeah, I mean, maybe Sam is the most sort of, uh, you know, the least bloodthirsty of the group, but he's far from, you know, yeah. He's and, definitely complicit in the things that happen. And, um, you know, with our theme of forgetting, he's the most willing to, like, forgive and forget, right? Like, he's he's the most, like, he says, like, the war's over for me. Like, mm -hmm. he's done. He's and, and again, like, we've talked about, like, how, how long he was in the resistance on Caprica mm -hmm. before being on the resistance in New Caprica. Right, like, right. Like he's this, just tired this, of it. Yeah. This war has gone on yeah. for years for him, mm -hmm. really. Like, and at this point, so yeah. Uh, whereas the others like haven't quite had that same experience, um, or at least not the same experience of being on the ground and like face to face with right, the right, in like, an occupied there's sort been, of like, environment, yeah, space battles and that kind of thing. Right. But yeah, right. um, so he's ready to move on, but like. So we can give him credit, but for for uh, Tyrrell, like he's kind of the the wish. Like 
like he knows the right thing mm-hmm. but but sort of allows himself to be talked into doing mm-hmm. you know right not the right thing right right <laughs> um right and it's like you know things like the way he um like gets down to look jammer in the eyes and you like realize like jammer's one of his guys that's one of his deckhands right you know like this is one of his kids he's called in and someone he cares about and like sure he's disappointed or disgusted or whatever but the idea that he can like look him full in the face and in the eyes it's like on the one hand, I want to give him credit for being the most human. Like maybe he's the one that is trying to hear what sure. defense he think... might have. But on the other hand, yeah. that makes what he does so much colder because you feel like at least Ty and the others are kind of desensitized to it. Whereas Tyrrell can like have and empathy seen... and still go through with this, you know? Right. And we've already seen like dictator Ty, right? Like, like right. it's it, there's no shock here. Right, that Ty is capable tie. of this. Right, uh, right, right. Um, right. I mean, the other we don't we don't really know the other like the two women we don't know that well. Right, um, right. Selix, Selix, Selix. What's her name again? Selix. Yeah. I keep forgetting how to say her name. Um. I mean, we know her a little better just because we like we saw her, you know, on um, mm-hmm. Cobal and mm-hmm. and whatever. Um. The other one, I don't think we... I, I mean, like, other than just sort of she's in the resistance. And, like, and she was one of Sam's, uh, like, team members. One of his... Um, okay. So and I, so I, they kind of, I think, allude to... Like, he's shocked that she can vote guilty and she tries to talk him out of it. Like, they have some sort of a understanding or, like, they have a friendship that goes back. So she's part of... She would be an important oh, voice. Oh, was she one of the of... people who came off of Caprica with him? Yes. Like, she was, like, okay. a pyramid player with him, I think. Gotcha. So, gotcha. it's, like, you... I think they kind of, every once in a while, show that the two of them know each other a little bit better. So, like, sure. when he's waffling, she's the one saying, Sam, come on, like, these people are guilty and we need to do whatever. Um so right. yeah, and and I mean, I assume she was a resistance member on New Caprica as well. Um, well, that that I, yeah, that was the implication. But yeah, I, I now now that you mentioned that she was like a pyramid player with him and stuff, like yeah, she does. That's where, like it, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, I definitely think. I mean, Tyrrell is sort of the viewpoint character of the circle i mean we see other people throughout you know the mm-hmm. episode but like i feel like we're um so this is uh this is the drought you know epistemic regime right like this is like we're we're seeing the story mostly kind of through mm-hmm. tyrell's eyes um and we see like outside like you know he's sort of trying to gather additional information like going to Callie and saying, did Jammer right. or did someone like really right. set you free and, and tell you to run and, and that kind of stuff. Um, right. After they've executed him, but <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Order of operations. Right. You know, right. always a tricky. Right. Tricky well, and you, you realize even with Tyrrell and Sam, um, they're the, the 
the extent to which revenge does play a part in this, that even for them at the most sympathetic side of the spectrum, you know, they're still biased by their experience, you know, they're still predisposed to vote, to assume the guilt rather than assume the innocence of the people on the list, you know, especially if they put them there. (laughs) Or at least not willing to be the lone holdout. Right. Like, Right. And that's that's what it like as long as like Sam refuses, right. Then like Tyrrell's fine with refusing as well. But he doesn't want to be the deciding vote. Right. And that's sort of where his moral weakness right. comes, right? Is right. One, you know, they replace Sam with Starbuck mm-hmm. and once Starbuck is guilty, you know, Tyrrell's not willing to be the holdout un- unless he can find a positive re- like this isn't right innocent until proven guilty right it's guilty unless you can prove you're innocent right unless gata says something to change you know their minds or whatever and and the flaw in this is that they've already chilled gata's speech right like they've already right uh starbuck has already intimidated him right and uh you know they they've already heard his explanations and not believed him so why why would he try to give them again Right. Well, and that's um, when Tyrrell's trying to get him to, like, you, Tyrrell wants him to defend himself and say, you know, talk and we'll listen. And Charlie's like, oh, we'll listen to you talk about whatever. Like, you know, that's the message to Gaeta is we're not listening. It doesn't matter, yeah. really, what you say. We've heard the arguments right. and we don't believe them. Um, right. Especially because he has to assume that Kara has shared the information right. that he's given her, which she has not, you know? Right. Um, so there's a total talk about epistemic regime. There's a total confusion about who even knows what information. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I didn't quite think of it this way before, but where are they getting their evidence? Right, like, Hmm. probably through all surveillance that's been done by the resistance. (laughs) Right. Um, And whatever papers maybe they captured on, like, you know, Baltar didn't spend time, like, packing up his Mm -hmm. presidential papers and taking them with him. Right, right. Right. So So Zarek gathers relevant files and... Right, whatever happened to be on Colonial One when they were, you know, there. Um, As well as, you know, like, because there seems to be, like, various, like, Mm. yeah, just, like, recon photos and, like, you know, whatever. Like, you know, these were clearly, like, resistance people taking pictures of of who's in the new Caprica police and who's doing what. Right, right. Like, that type of thing. Right. Um, So, yeah, so, like, even from that perspective, like, like you're not talking about like an independent, like FBI type organization Mm -hmm. that, you know, is charged with investigating stuff and then like hands over their investigative materials to the department of justice to actually do prosecutions. Mm -hmm. And like, it's sort of independently analyzed and all of that kind of stuff. Like this is, yeah, the resistance collecting the information and then sort of, the primary core members of the resistance. Cause again, it was, it was like Ty Tyrrell and Sam, like leading the resistance, mm-hmm. right? Like, so this is like, 
like they're the ones calling the shots and it's like their own people who were collecting the quote unquote evidence right. and all of that. So yeah, I mean, right. They're literally judge, jury and executioner and also yeah. prosecutor and, and researcher and, you know, yeah. It, like being, being in space, it's like, you know, a, even more literal star chamber, right? Like sure. then, then the English one, but uh, yeah. So, okay. We've talked a lot about the circle and, and we've already talked a bit about Gaeta mm. and the deliberation of vote and trial and sentence. Um, of course, like the other factor here is that like there's confrontations outside of mm. that sort of official, but secret and also not totally official process. <laughs> Um, official in name only yeah when Gaeta first shows up in the CIC which we already have seen he knows right like mm -hmm. the back of his hand mm -hmm. like we've seen him like reprogramming stuff on the fly to you know uh trick the Cylons or, or and, and keep them out of the different systems um you know and all of this stuff so like we know how well he knows like he he's run the cic before mm -hmm. like when you know when both adama and ty aren't there like gata's the one who's in charge mm -hmm. and so of course like why would you not have him help you get things back up to speed right um well for ty it's totally personal and right you know um it's hard to say like is ty so so you know, Ty sort of goes off and like, he's talking about his eye. Can you help me find my eye? And you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. But like, uh, then he even gets snippy with Adama, mm -hmm. which is interesting to me. Um, one that Dama, Adama doesn't like shut him down immediately, mm -hmm. but also that like, cause Ty is usually more willing to, right. Right. Uh, you know, listen to the old man as he calls him mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, allow himself to be sort of this way, but even like, yeah, even, even in that conversation, Ty's very upset and, and Adama tells him to go sleep it off. And so we don't like, I don't know for sure. Like is Ty drunk at this point or is it, Yeah, I don't, or, or or does Adama think that he's just overtired, like working too hard, right. or right. or what's going on here? But um, right. Well, sorry if you you can finish your your. No, thought. I was just gonna say I was just gonna say like this, like he clearly has very personal yeah. thoughts about Gaeta, and so this this bleeds into right. why he pushes so hard with so li little evidence mm -hmm. to have Gaeta. Uh, prosecuted and mm -hmm. convicted. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I feel like what you start to see is a division, like we talked about, between the people on New Caprica, between, you know, if there's a neutral zone, we don't really see them that much. What we see is this division between the resistance and the collaborators, um, or at least what are perceived to be the collaborators. So there's like, they're turning on each other that way. But I think you yeah. also get in this scene tension and distance between people who were on New Caprica and people who were not. 
you know, because sure. like, yeah, he, Ty does turn on Adama in a more maybe insubordinate way than he ever would have before of like, yeah. like, like, because you weren't there, you don't right. know. You ran away. You ran away. You don't know. And so your whole thing is, oh, go to sleep. Just pretend it all didn't happen. You know, like, like they just want to pretend and move on and and yeah. act like it didn't happen. But I know the truth and I'm not going to, you know, and he does the same thing to Hilo of like, tell that toaster lover, this is still my ship. You know, like Hilo's moved into his turf. And mm -hmm. he's already suspect because he's a toaster lover, you know, because of his relationship with Sharon. And if it's not bad enough, now he's got this uniform and he's walking around the CIC like he owns the place. And um, that's not what Ty is looking for right at this moment. Um, yeah, sure. and it's one thing I only really kind of started to think about this last watch was... Um, the speed with which Ty gets back in that uniform and back on the job. Like, we don't see any of the others do that. Like, Starbucks not flying, you know, mm -hmm. Tyrrell's not in the hangar deck. Gaeta helps with the CIC, but he's not in uniform. Um, he's clearly been asked to do that as a favor. It's not like he's being recommissioned. Um, right. And Ty, to me, it's like if anybody wants to pretend that nothing happened, in a way, it's Ty because he just slaps that uniform back on and starts bossing everybody around, like like he didn't resign, you know, like he stepped down as the XO and went to New Caprica, and maybe we can assume that Adama would give him his job back, but like it's day three and he's already sort of back in you know, in command, telling people what to do and everything. Um, sure. So, yeah, like, so that's one thing I wanted to point out was, like, the separation between the people who were in the fleet and the people who were on the ground. And that there's a... Adama is, you know, no friend to Cylons, but he doesn't have the same feelings about collaborators that Ty does um, because okay. he wasn't there. So, um, you know, or Hilo, um, yeah. And well, and you mentioned how, um, how we know that Gaeta knows the CIC, like the back of his hand. And it's like before New Caprica, you hardly have a scene with him. That's not in the CIC. Like that's his environment. Right. And so to have yeah, there's him, like that one brief conversation with the uh, D in the bathroom, right? Like, right. Otherwise, like maybe he it's goes like... to the bathroom occasionally, or when he's in the lab helping Baltar. But like otherwise, it's like he <laughs> right, lives right. there. That's his space. So, yeah. uh, to me, it's very striking to have him come in not in uniform and looking out of place in and, like, the place his that, hair grown and, out like and, totally yeah. like like he would never have let his hair grow that long or worn those clothes and to suddenly be in a place that should be his place. And not only is he uncomfortable, but he's harassed the second he, you know, he walks in the door by Ty. Um, mm -hmm. So, and doesn't really defend himself, you know? Like, you know, I kind of want him to in that moment. Like, I want him, like, he doesn't say anything to Ty. And it's like, you wish he would, but like 
I don't know. Is that just the chain of command is so strong that if Ty yells at you, you just stand there and take it, you know? Um, not that, I mean, we've seen him talk back to Ty before, but you know, the feelings are too complicated to like really get into a, an argument in his own defense, I guess. Hmm. Um, we, he also has a conversation with Starbuck um, yeah where he says a little bit more but only because she tricks him into <laughs> arguing about it like she kind of baits him with you know he's sort of sitting by himself and is aware that people are staring but you know not really saying anything um, and she comes over like as if, you know, it's all chummy and how are you and how are you doing and everything. But it's kind of it's kind of a big trap for the fight that she's trying to pick. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, one, sorry. I mean, a couple of things too, I want to mention about that scene is Celix watching in the background. So it's like, if sure. the circle wasn't already suspect enough, you kind of are like, well, she deliberately picked Starbuck because she know that's a guilty vote. Right. Like, right. oh, right. here's an easy fix to our, to our hung jury. You know, Starbuck yeah. is well, definitely going to go for it. And talking about who knows what, she hears the conversation. Right. And suppresses mm -hmm. that potential defense. Right. Right. Um, right. Um, yeah. And... Like, you can, you can almost... Like, at least Starbuck, when she's hearing that information, isn't part of the circle. And so you can... Right. Not forgive her, because, like, she totally makes... You know, she totally votes based on personal feeling and prejudice. But um, at least it's like, you know what? She doesn't learn till later. And and she's even suspicious about the legality of it all. Mm. Like, Ty insists on the legality because, you know, he's Ty and he likes that sort of, you know, appearance of, of formality and whatnot. And, like... Like, at least with Tyrrell, you, like, I think he's at least in earnest of, like, yes, this is an official thing. And while it's unsavory, like, it needs to be done mm -hmm. and it it is actually legal. So, but, like, Starbuck doesn't even, like, she's like, yeah, but this is legal. Right. right? And right. I'm not sure that their explanations that, oh, yeah, it's legal, like, really convince her. But she doesn't care right, either. Right. Like, when has Starbucks ever cared about right. doing things breaking the you rules know, by right. the book? Right. Yeah. Um, right. And I mean, she basically admits, admits as much to Sam with her, I just want to hurt someone. Like, what she's saying is, I just want to hurt someone, so you should leave so that I don't hurt you. What she's really saying is, I'm in this circle because I need to hurt some people. And, you know, right. these are scapegoats. Like, literally you know it doesn't yep. like does she believe that they're guilty yes but they're a proxy for all of the people that she wishes she could hurt 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I also like that uh, just the inability to speak each other's language. Um, not that she would have listened anyway, but when Gata's trying to explain to her what he did, the way he says, like, he undersells what he did. You know, like, he doesn't say, I passed along jamming frequencies and yeah. deathless. He says, I passed along memoranda. And she's like, get out of here with your, like, even if that's true, she doesn't care about that. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. To him, that means a lot, like, from the kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, well, way that does, he thinks. But also, it also, I also think that part of Gata's issue is that he kind of agrees with them that yes. he is guilty. I, I agree and, with you. Yeah. And and so yeah. I think part of his frustration and inability to uh, you know, give give the right amount of credence to what he does, um, which I agree, like like he actually does quite a lot and and there is way more meaning in the memoranda that he passed then that makes you know, it, it sound it seems like right. it's like oh memoranda like it's crappy bureaucratic right. you know whatever it's not actual like intelligence but no like the death list was a memorandum right like right. <laughs> like right. that's that's the sort of things he was passing along right um but yeah like i think we get i think the sense at the end, after, you know, Tyrrell actually lets him go mm -hmm. and like he's there, he's like, he's sort of like mumbling and like in almost like a fugue state of like, like I, I what more could I have done? Like, I, you know, there's, there is more that I could have done, mm -hmm. but I don't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if someone could tell me and I, I think he does kind of feel that they're right in a way that he actually is guilty for not having done more. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think that's part of why in the conversation with Starbuck, he has such a hard time articulating, mm -hmm. you know, what it is that he actually did because he does think that he should have done more, but also by the time it gets to, you know, him being sentenced to death, he's like, Yeah you're kind of like you're right like i am guilty of of all these deaths because i wasn't able to stop them or whatever right and actually like yeah but he did stop them like they did stop the deaths right like right callie and everyone on those trucks did not die because of gata's actions and other people's actions as well but like he was the start of that chain reaction, right? Right, of right. getting the list to the resistance so they could well and stop and things. getting them off of the planet. He passes along the jamming frequencies, you know. Right. So as Tyrrell right. says, he's the reason we're on the ship. Like there literally would have been no escape if he hadn't done right. that. And um, yeah, I totally agree with you that that's behind the kind of gritted teeth stoicism at the end is uh i'm not gonna beg for a life that's not worth begging for and if you're gonna do it do it you know um and yeah no and and the line about um you know don't know what else i could have done to me it like echoes jammers what was I supposed to do although it's different like with jammer like he's saying i mean they're both asking what else 
I don't know what else I should have done. But jammer, that yeah. sounds like more of an excuse. Like I tried my best and I don't know who else would have, what else would you have done? Because what else could I have done? Whereas, yeah, like with Gaeta, it sounds like more like admitting a defeat. Like, yeah, I guess I tried, but it wasn't enough. Um, yeah. Which it's so sad. <laughs> it's like, you know, to get through all that and like, you know, to have the guy in the end that they decide that they finally figure out was you know the mole the whole time and the reason they got off and we all basically agree that he you know like he's agreeing with them when they tell him that he's failed um and didn't you know should have done something else or should have done more um which makes the kind of little scene at the end you know it doesn't fix everything, but there's a kind of sweetness to the fact that Tyrrell just sits with him. And like, it doesn't, it doesn't fix everything. He can't even really look him in the eye and he doesn't say anything. Like he certainly doesn't apologize, but just the fact of visibly eating together in like the cafeteria, um, at least is like a gesture towards some sort of like reconciliation or apology or forgiveness or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So we should probably talk about the last few things here. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of government, uh let's talk about the transitional government so like we already talked about how Zarek peaceful transition um, of power yeah we already talked about how Zarek you know signed the executive order and sort of his role in all that. right although can um, i point out one last Zarek thing to me the irony the irony and the hypocrisy of Zarek and his they don't get lawyers they don't get to showboat. They don't get to blame the system. They don't get oh, fame. Yeah. They don't get, you know, this reputation. It like, what is his story if not that? You know? The 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 martyred principled man who went to jail and became famous for his, you know, less than civil disobedience and made his reputation around that fact and totally blamed the system and oh, yeah. totally showboated and did all the things that he's accusing these people of trying to do. Yeah. Um, well, it's so galling. Who, who knows better than Zarek how, how that all works. of these games can be played. Right. Right. right? And, um, so, Uh, there's there's an F. Scott Fitzgerald quote, and I'm I'm gonna mess it up, and I'm trying to look it up here real quick. Uh, so uh, there's a, I think the the story is called Confession, um, and it's it's like the main character, he he was like a 
playboy and like turned the monk or something like that something weird and and there's a great line in there that just says uh reformed libertines are a notoriously intolerant class <laughs> and i feel like that's like Zarek here yeah. like i mean not that he was a libertine per se but like like maybe you could like reformed uh you know uh uh anarchists or mm -hmm. resistance fighters or whatever whatever he was <laughs> like you know is a are a notoriously intolerant class like yeah. all all of the things that uh you know he uh did he knows that others will do and so therefore like can right. uh, uh you know anticipate and you know prevent them mm -hmm. um potentially anyway so yeah it's yeah. it's just that idea i mean i totally agree i totally agree with what you said like that he's completely uh ironic here and yeah um but so we have transition government um Zarek knows he's not gonna be in charge long mm -hmm. right like yeah. like and adama has told him that or yeah i mean at least very strongly implied it um, the way that it casually is just hey i'll stage a coup if you try to stay in power you know like that that's right. just assumed by everybody you right. know um which which is a callback right to like when uh uh roslyn became president like one of the first things she says to adama is like are you gonna stage a coup mm -hmm. <laughs> like like so yeah like okay right like now Right. That's just I mean, one of our possible list of options. Like it's almost banal now that it's just that like this is a thing that yeah, we could do. And, but the, the casualness of it is like you don't realize what a radical thing that is, you know? And the thing is, like you don't right, like we didn't see the colonial government long enough before like everyone got destroyed. Uh in order to know like did the military have this power when there was like the 13 mm. or well 12 or whatever planets mm -hmm. or is it just like now that now that you have like a battle star and like a handful of other ships right. and it could wipe them all out at any instance right. like like is that where uh the power comes from and and you can see like well yes like that's what the pegasus was going around doing mm -hmm. before it met up with the Galactica, right? Like that's what uh uh oh shoot, what's her name? Kane. The Admiral Kane, thank you. You know, that's precisely the attitude that she took was that right. she she was the law and right. whatever. Whereas at least Adama unless it's someone he disagrees with <laughs> is willing right. to like have a separate like civilian right. government. Right. But, but there's a there's a big but there. Yeah. But not if Zarek uh right. is in charge. Right. Right. Which Zarek at least in this he doesn't push it, you know. He doesn't bring them to like civil war or anything. He he concedes provided that he can stay involved in some capacity and Rosalind makes him vice president, you know. Um yeah. kind no, of as a reward she, for his She prom she promises him the so does does she follow through with that after learning about the executive order? I think he did, stays. Did actually... I think he stays, yeah. I can't I okay, well yeah. we'll have to see I'm, next. Cause... I'm pretty sure that he does. Which I'm kinda of surprised about that like she follows through with that. Because I would totally be like 
right. screw you, dude. Right. Like, like I promised you that before I realized you set up a secret, you know, tribunal or what, uh, sex tunnel, uh, of what, uh, you, you know, to assassinate people mm-hmm. basically, um, or execute them yeah. however you want to right. call it. Uh, like when she found out about that, it's like, it's kind of like all deals are off. Like don't tell him that like let him still abdicate and then right you know so she can become president but then just don't appoint him as vice president right. like if she does she's just asking for it again well she might be asking for it because i'm pretty sure that he stays vice president so um anyway so uh of course the other you know the, the other philosophical difference they have is you know Zarek's like well now you're going to have to deal with, you know, the problem of all of these people, you know, who have done these terrible crimes. And now you're, he calls her, you know, executioner in chief, mm-hmm. because like, that's going to be what's going to f- be the focus of her, uh, you know, next administration. And so she does the opposite thing, right? She issues a general pardon. Um, Mm-hmm. And kind of under undercuts and pulls the rug out and other metaphors um, to Zarek there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, which is, I think, good. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that seems like a, like, you know, mistakes were made. Let's, you know, let's all just sort of acknowledge that and then move along. Well, right? and that's one point. And the other one being her her pointing out that since we're all victims in this scenario, we can't have an impartial trial. It's not possible because we are all have lived through this genocide and being chased across the universe and then living, you know, through this occupation. And so maybe there isn't, at least for these particular crimes, there might not be such a thing as an impartial, you know, trial. So, Rather than convict innocent people, it's better to, you know, lean on the side of mercy. Um, mm. Although she deliberately says that it's for every human being on this fleet. Um, there's somebody missing from the fleet who's kind of notable. So I think it leaves it somewhat ambiguous whether this pardon applies to him or not hmm fair enough fair enough so yes let's talk about this missing man <laughs> um of course baltar mm-hmm. is not with the fleet as you said um he is in fact uh on a cylon base star so uh as we mentioned earlier, like he learns he's been there for three days, but um, at least part of that time, as one does, uh, he found himself asleep and and in the midst of a dream uh, where he was being pardoned by Roslyn, right, right. Adama, and Even a, uh, right, and sort of a, a skeptical, but well, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to have to agree as much <laughs> as I don't like it, you know, uh, time. Right. Um, that's that's then, how reasonable Ty normally is. 
And then, uh, which I had forgotten the first time I watched this, that, the, that this is a dream. So this is right after we see Ty, like, airlocking Jammer. Right, right. right. Uh, so it's like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, is, wait, Ty can't really believe this, right? Like, he's just putting on a good face for Rosalind mm -hmm. and Adama. And then you get, you know, Rosalind... You know, I've always wanted you. Right. And, like, <laughs> you realize, like, a split second before Baltar does right. that, oh, this is a dream. Right. Yes. Okay. I should have known that. Ty would never have reacted that way. Right. All right. Um, but, yeah, he wakes up then. Um, and we we don't need to get into, like, the Freudian implications of Rosalind's statement in Baltar's dream there. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, he <laughs> wakes up. He's on a Cylon ship mm -hmm. um, and has a conversation with uh, Deanna. Well, with, with a three model. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, oh, I assume that it's the same Deanna. Yeah, right? it kind of like, seems like, like it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, that conversation, right. if I can find it. Yeah, here, she comes in and her kind of like um, Marilyn Monroe kind of. Right. After all the grime of New Caprica, she's sort of gotten cleaned up and, you know. Um. Um, so basically, she comes in to tell him that, like, there's some debate about what to do with him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and that there's, well, we don't, we don't learn how the breakdown works out, right? But that there's three models against him and you know three models for him and the sixes are sort of the deciding vote in this uh mix up and and they seem split amongst themselves mm. so um that's that right so uh fast forward uh then you have right so you have uh deanna coming in like you said in sort of the white marilyn monroe dress uh which of course then you have six coming in in all black mm, right yeah and yeah and sort of like the you know angel and devil mm -hmm. you know whatever yeah. um which just before we leave the topic of the vote you know baltar being kind of contrasted with the collaborators you know of like sure he's kind of one foot in the cylon world one foot in the human world and they're voting about what whether or not to it's implied that if, like, if you're allowed to stay, will they turn him over to the humans or would they just sort of chuck him out the airlock, you know? So it's kind of left, you know, open, I think. And um, so he's kind of in the same situation among the Cylons that all the collaborators are, you know, in the fleet um, mm -hmm. of being kind of pariahs within their own, you know, uh, the places where they where they are. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So then he has this conversation with Six, um, who says that whatever feelings she had uh, have stopped, or have to stop mm. actually. Uh, so which implies that she's still having them, right? Uh, not that not that they're gone. Um, I allowed my feelings to cloud my judgment, protected you, gave your species a second chance. So I mean, again. 
Uh, and maybe this is, you know, again, similar to sort of the self-deception of Ty and the rest of the circle. But, like, what second chance? Right. Like, by coming in and, and you know, being masters over the humans? Um, yeah. So, uh, Baltar tries to say, oh, you know, you're, you're more than silent. You're a real person. Uh, you know, you're a real woman or whatever it is he says there. Um, and then, you know, in typical, uh, sort of egotistical Baltar fashion, you know, starts shouting at her that, you know, you need me, you need me, admit it, admit it. And then he's like, oh, and, and I need you. Um, maybe I should have started with that. Right, right. Um, but you know, right, he didn't. right. Yeah, he kind of his own safety is on you know. You keep me alive because you need me. You know, not not I'm actually trying to convince you that we have a real relationship and love each other and depend on each other and everything. Um, that only occurs to him sort of. It occurs to him, but slightly later, um, and too late to really make a convincing argument of it. Um, sure. So, yeah. Um, but she evidently does decide to keep him because at the end she comes in, you know, brings him some clothes and everything. So the implication being that she voted to, to keep, um, rather than to airlock. So, um, so he gets to stay with the Cylons a little longer. Um, at least for now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, how, how long that is remains to be seen, but at least for now, uh, he has been pardoned, uh, just like, you know, Rosalind pardoned right. the collaborators. So. Right. Um, so yeah, so I think we hit everything. Um, we'll, We'll see well, where we wait, get to we go have to hit, oh, wait. We have to hit Lee really quick. Oh, I'm um, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. I missed The most missed important Lee. thing we learn in this episode <laughs> is that Lee dropped half a stone. Um, half a stone. Half a stone. And Adama tells him to keep jumping. Because it's not, it's not <laughs> enough. So. Um, which, so, a stone is 14 pounds, apparently. All right. So, he's so he's dropped six. seven pounds. Okay. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't know how accurate that is. Why would, why would, like, I mean, forget, like, imperial measurements. Like, like, stone is just even, like, so much more ridiculously old than that. Like, shouldn't they be using metric? On... <laughs> the, the colonists aren't on the metric system. Um, yeah, but I'm sure I've heard them refer to metric measurements before. Maybe not. You I don't feel know. like I they would have, but I, I, I honestly haven't. It's not until something like this where it's so absurdly outdated. Right, that, right. Um, you know. Anyway, I yeah. Well, it's almost like I want. I wonder is that Jamie Bamber's. Britishness coming through, but then you have to assume that the writers wrote that line. So unless he changed it, um, right. you know, I mean, that's definitely more of a 
a Britishism than it is an Americanism. But, but I, unless I heard otherwise, I would assume that the line was written that way. So I'm not sure why the decision was made. Um, Right. Um, But yeah, so he's, uh, you know, working hard with his jump rope. (laughs) Just gonna drop that weight in no time. Yeah. If only like it were the next episode, right? I I'm I don't remember for sure, but I'm pretty sure that like yeah. yeah, like the next time we see him, it's like you know, pretty much nothing's uh changed. Which, you know what, <laughs> like fair enough. I feel like quote fatly as a as a concept did its job and maybe better to be rid of it than let it outstay its welcome but sure um but it is a little silly i will give it that all right anything else nope i think that's it we'll be back so our third uh episode of angel next week uh in a row Mm -hmm. and uh yeah some more Battlestar Galactica. Sounds good. See you then.